podcasting from the Museum of Broadcast Communications back to you is up next. But first, take a listen to this other fine Opie show. Hey, it's Tommy. And then I'm Sam, I guess. And I'm Kimmy. And we're the colleagues of And Friends. Yes, and colleagues, and co-workers, and acquaintances. Every week we talk about the weirdest things, Florida men, sex toys, and Tommy gives away something every single week. First week it was 10 grand, second week it was my virginity, next week it's going to be a cat. So listen to And Friends Season 2, an Opie show only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great Talk Radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place, radiomisfits.com. See, we have a couple special guests. What are we doing? Rehearsing the open right now? No, we're waiting for Sam. <laughs> He's got buttons. Do you? I, I never forget a face. Yeah. Do you? I mean, like, you come faces, across uh, hundreds of oh, yeah. names. Faces a are, story. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. good with facial recognition. But I can almost tell you where I know you from by the face, but I can't get the name necessarily. I'm the same way. Although I, I create gimmicks, you know, to remember names, yeah. little associations yes. or something. I try to do that. Yeah, I associate Lazy Howard. Oh, man, that's, that's <laughs> cruel. That is so cruel. Yeah, um, and I do all the preparation for this thing. Okay, don't start. <laughs> Whatever this thing is. Don't start. That. All of it. Samuel, how are you? Oh, the thumbs up, that means go. We already started. All right, here we go. The following is a Tony Lozano podcast, an Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. That was fantastic. The only thing that wasn't right was the billing, but it's okay. Yeah. I forgive you because you did such an excellent job thank you. of moving right into this program. Thank you. I'm not interested in critiques. <laughs> It's too early for that. Two minutes in and you're critiquing everything. Uh, that's because I'm excited again. You know, when we do these programs, uh, there are degrees of excitement about, you know, the guests that we have and the anticipation of, of what we're talking about. I've enjoyed all of them for sure. But then there's some that, that hit home. Uh, in ways that bring back memories from my teenage years, yeah. my, my young man years, which were like five years ago. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I get excited about w what the possible conversation could be. And well, can, yes. I just, can I keep moving? Well, you're getting ready to... you paused, so go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, I learned that you have to jump right in there with you because you will just uh, continue, <laughs> continue to facilitate is what I call it. Well, a great facilitator. Whose name was first in the open. <laughs> So go but, ahead. Well, let me tell you. Please. Uh, and you're aware of this. Uh, the last, what's so appropriate about today is that for the last week or two, I've spent a whole lot of time in my vehicle. Yes. You know that, right? Yes. Okay. I drove from Chicago to Maryland to Pennsylvania, back to Maryland, back to Chicago, and enjoyed every bit of it. I like driving if I could take appropriate breaks. Now, you know me well enough to know the answer to this, I think. What's the only thing on the trip, on the interstate, on the highway that can make me get off and go a half mile out of my way because I see a sign that advertises this place? What is it? A Cracker Barrel. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I yes, nailed it. Sir. Yes, How well do sir. we know each other? <laughs> And what do you get? <laughs> I get it all. 
We're giving yeah, you Yeah, well, you look like it. <laughs> <laughs> Take it easy. Relax with that, all right? No, but you know why I go? Why I like it, first of all? Because it's good. Because it's good. And where else can I get peanut shoes and a Clark bar and a Baby Ruth and a Bonobo's Turkish taffy? I mean, that stuff is like gold. And I always pile up on it. I don't eat much of it, but I get it because it's there. And where else can you get, like, uh, potatoes and meatloaf at 11 in the morning? That's another incentive, man. That's another reason to go. Exactly. Uh, Who does the driving, do you or your wife? Uh, We share it. Actually, she does not mind driving. Really? I always start off sleepy, and she starts the, the trip. Most often. Do you and, get nervous when she drives? Uh, because you're a backseat driver. When I drive, yeah. we're driving down the Kennedy, and I'm looking, focusing, and I see, you know, brake lights, five yeah. cars up. I'm ready, you know, that they're going to slow down. Yes. And you're pounding the your yeah. air brake. Because I'm not sure you actually see it. Why? You say you see it, but you don't. I, you know, I'm not sure. I don't like anybody driving for me necessarily. You like, I like to be to in charge. Yes. Yes. And that's why I can't sleep well if I'm the passenger. You know what I mean? I like. I, I, yeah. I can't do that. I have to be awake to see everything that's coming my way that you might miss. <laughs> I haven't missed it yet. Well, yes. Um, you mentioned uh, driving by vehicle, which yes. uh, leads us into our our guest today, and. Uh, I just want to tell real quickly, when I was a teenager back in 1970, and I listened to the Big 89 WLS radio here in Chicago and heard the top 40 hits and the same songs over and over and over again, and I heard this song, Vehicle, Mm -hmm. that I absolutely loved, Mm -hmm. that I know, you know, every word to it to this day, and I never dreamt that as a kid, sitting in my bedroom, listening to my my records and to the radio, that, that I would have on the guests of the gentleman that wrote it, yes. that performed it, yes. that it's still alive today. Yeah, I mean, that's that, why I told you I was excited about it myself. It blows my mind. So I'll give you the honor of introducing our guests. Well, from the... Fantastic group, the Ides of March. We have Mr. Jim Peterick and Mr. Bob Berglund. Hey, how you doing, guys? All right, right. they are. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us here, guys. Now, I can I just say, you know, we both are going to be battling for for our own point of view for you guys because we're excited about this. Let me just can I can I throw in my vehicle story? Please, I mean, other than other than travel, when I was 19 years old. And uh, vehicle came out. Now, look, when I was 19, I got my first car. It was a Volkswagen. It was a used Volkswagen Beetle with a moonroof. Cool. And I was wondering, it was a 68 Beetle. And I was wondering, how am I going to scrape up the $800 for it? Because that's how much it costs. Eight, I can still remember the price. It is not cool when you got to take your girlfriend to the movies on the, and you take the subway, then the L, and then the bus. I don't care how cool you are. It's just not a cool experience. Right, right. you got to have a car. And when I got my car, that that allowed me to take her anywhere she wanted to go. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that, it. that song hit it on the head because not only did I have my own vehicle, I could go anywhere with, with my date. 
and it just opened up the world. So uh, love it. it. It hits home. Love it. Well, you know, uh, same for me. I, I had a '64 Valiant. That was my vehicle. And um, you know, of course, the story behind vehicle is pretty pretty incredible. I had met this girl uh, in line to see the turtles back in '68. We were standing in line, and she was there with a bunch of girls, friends, and. Uh, and I, I went stag because I was too shy, believe it or not, at that time to ask anybody, you know. Uh-huh. And I see this one girl. She's a knockout. Orange culottes, knee socks, saddle shoes. Unbelievable. Cute hair, you know. I was kind of trying to look down her blouse a little bit, you know, <laughs> as we all do. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking this girl's way out of my league, man. She'll never talk to me. Just then this girl turns around and says, aren't you Peterick? Mm. I go, yeah? She said, oh, I just saw your band, The Ides of March, last week. You guys were great. And I go to myself, there is a guy. (laughs) (laughs) And he is in the house today. We ended up talking to each other. We ended up sitting together, watching the Turtles play Happy Together, basically falling in love at first sight. And um, we dated for about six months, and then she decided to drop me. And I was just inconsolable. You can ask Bob. I was. We were on the road. All we do. All we did was play the blues. We played the yeah. blues. Bob, 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 Bob. Uh, <laughs> baby, don't let me. Man, you know, and the crowds are walking. Anyway, and then the same girl starts calling me again, and she said, "You know, Jim, it's not a date, but you got that cool car. Will you take me to modeling school?" Nice. And I go, "Well." At least I can be sitting next to her, right? You know, yeah. maybe I'll get a kiss or something or whatever. So I take her to modeling school. She comes out, take her home, shakes my hand. Thanks, Jim. Bye. Happens again. Happens yeah. again. And suddenly I'm kind of feeling used, you know. Yeah. And and I said to myself, all I am is her vehicle. All I am is her limo service, man. <laughs> and the light bulb popped on top of my head, and, and uh, I showed it to Bob and all the ads. We went to rehearsal. I heard this riff in my head. Ba-da-ba-ba-da. You know, it was like a call to arms, mm. you know. Yes. Went into CBS Studios right here on Fairbanks when it was still a, a studio. We caught lightning in a bottle one day in That's late 69. Where was it? That's where it was recorded. That's yeah. where it was recorded. Yeah. And in two takes, we cut the song. You did. And it became the fastest breaking song in Warner Brothers history. Number one in five weeks' time. All the chains picked it up. Mm. Suddenly we're on the road with Led Zeppelin, Janis Joplin, Grateful Dead. The Who else? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, Everybody. I mean, Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix. Open Brothers. For, open for Bob Hope a couple times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, really. Thanks for the memory. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, how old, and how old are you now? As, 19. As still 19. 19. Still 19. 19. Still 19. Yeah. Guess who starts calling me again? Yes. Little Miss oh, Kulak. sure. Yep. And she said, Jim, you know, maybe I'll, I was a little hasty. Maybe we should try this again, you know. And I let her hang on that phone for three seconds. <laughs> and I said, Sure. And, man, we started dating again. Soon we started making marriage plans. 47 years later, that girl is still my wife. Oh, oh fantastic. And I'm still story. her vehicle, baby. <laughs> that's great. And, uh, you know, she created this song. I mean, she didn't write it, but she inspired it. Sure. So I always think of her when, I, when we sing this song. So you, you said that you had the song and you showed it to Bob, and then you went and recorded it. Right. So... Before you showed it to Bob, you had 
what sat on read uh, written the lyrics the, the, oh, the entire much, lyrics pretty much and and uh, how did you write them you just write them on a, a legal pad uh, uh, long yeah, hand? an illegal pad actually it was, <laughs> it was pretty dirty when you think about it well the original line of the song was i got a set of wheels pretty baby won't you hop inside i'm like a kind of bush league you know well, I'm sitting with my stoner partner in senior year chemistry class, and he always came to class baked, just totally yeah. baked. <laughs> Bill Griner was his name. I hope he's still around. Anyway, and he showed me this pamphlet that they were distributing around the school, anti-drug pamphlet. It had this little cartoon of a, the friendly stranger, you know, with the black sedan, you know? Yeah. And I really dug that. So instead of the old line, it said, I'm a friend of stranger in the black sedan. Won't you hop inside my car? <laughs> and boom, I was off to the races, man. And that song just kind of wrote itself. I think it's one of the best opening lines of a song that you could imagine. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. it's so catchy. Yeah, and, and it, the rhythm. It gets you right you know, away. I mean, I, I didn't even know how catchy that rhythm was. Hey, well, I'm the friend of stranger in the black sedan. Won't you hop inside my car? I got pictures. Candy, I'm a lovable man, and I can take it to the nearest stop. I'm your vehicle, baby. I'll take you anywhere you want to go. I'm your vehicle, woman. By now, I'm sure you know that I love you. I need you. I want you. Got to have your time. Break out in here, you know I love you. Where are my keys? I need Shump a new in. vehicle. That, you know, I got Man. I got chills listening to that. That, well, that is unbelievable. I had heard somewhere, and I think it was Barry Gordy, actually, who he was being interviewed, and he said, you know what he had learned through the years of his experience is that if you got a song, uh, the potential for the hit increases the more you can keep the people with the first 10 seconds. Right on. And man, that's what happens with yeah. this song. That is so it, true, man. It comes right out the gate. You get the riff, and you get the words, and you can't turn back, you know, going down that road. Yeah. <laughs> and it was Barry Gordy. He had, it, it was, you know, like seven seconds, or he had a rule. Sure. You have to catch their ear in those first 10 seconds. Yes. Yeah. All those Temptation songs, all those... Uh, you know, uh, four tops, and they, they all sort of live by that rule. Well, that that reminds me of the first few seconds of a song. Paul McCartney told the story of when he wrote And I Love Her. And he liked the song, and he thought it was great. And then they were sitting around in the studio, and George Harrison picked up the guitar, and he played... Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. And Paul McCartney said... That guitar opening is what made that song a hit. It's so, so true. Really, and that's there, what you remember so much. Yes, that, that's what you remember from that song. So there are pieces of songs. Uh, you got to get them. You got to get them early. But I mean, you know, anywhere in the song, something has to be memorable. Now, you know, sure. we, we talk about the, the the longevity of a band like this, Ides of March. Were you guys always at the beginning classmates? Is that how that yeah, happened? Yeah, we were all uh, classmates in high school. Actually, going back to grade school, three of the four original Ides went to grade school together. Uh, Piper Grade School in Berwyn, Illinois. And uh, Larry and I were in the same class. Jim was a year behind us. And the first time I ever played a guitar on stage was for a PTA meeting, a duet with Jim. 
And I was in eighth grade, I think, and I Jim was in seventh, was grade. In seventh grade. Stewball was a racehorse. Stewball, yeah, yeah. yeah. We were should learn that again. It's a, a folk, <laughs> yeah, folk song, <laughs> and that was our first performance, and that was a few years before the Ides. But uh, it was Larry had had the idea for the band, and he approached me first to join the band because he knew my only credentials were I owned a guitar. <laughs> <Just like laughs> I had, had enough, no other credentials, right? and he knew I could <laughs> sing. So uh, I said, you want to start a band? So the two of us started a band, and then we approached Jim. He was in a band, and uh, as you tell the story. And, I, um, and I, I, Larry's knocking on my door at my m mother's house, and I want to join my band. I said, I got a band. You know, the Renegades were great. And he says, mm. anyway, he went back two a week later. Knock, knock, knock. You really ought to come and join our band. <laughs> your band stinks. Yeah, yeah, your band stinks. I, said, I hate to break much. it to you. He was not very diplomatic. Still isn't very diplomatic as a guy. Now, now, where's this whole Ides? I mean, that's a pretty heady name for a band. Right. It was. March. Well, well, Bobby yeah. named the band. We were, uh, our first name was the Shondells. And in 64 through mm, 65, Nine. for about a year. Yeah. Oh, the Shondells. Yeah, the Shondells, about 65. Yeah. Uh, lasted about a year. And then Hanky Panky broke. It was like just skyrocketed up mm -hmm. the charts. Yeah. You know, and Hanky Panky, Tommy James, and the Shondells. Yes. And uh, like all of a sudden, it's like, oh boy, we better get a new name. And and we were getting gigs as the Shondells, sock hops, playing in yeah. bars, underage, and that sort of thing, <laughs> wherever we could get work. So we need a new name real quick. And uh, we had management at that point, and we had just cut our first record. And uh, You Wouldn't Listen was our first uh, real single in, in, in our, our breakout. So all of a sudden, we need a new name. And our manager said, OK, this is when Batman's on TV. Oh, yeah. So for about a month, we were Batman and the Boy Wonders. <laughs> just the and, and, and so wow, that's horrible. I, I have to say, even at 15 and 16 years old, we revolted and we said, <laughs> yeah. "We're not doing we this." Not, we knew that was. We cool. wanted a cool name, yes. cool name. So I'm literally sitting in English um, literature class. Sure, honors English, yes. uh, English Don't literature. Honors. So, well, that, that, we're, we're studying Shakespeare, man. Yeah, we're yeah, studying yeah. Shakespeare. All right, all right. Okay, and I come across the line. Beware of the Ides of March. Yeah. I said, well, I'm not exactly sure what it means, but let's let's it go works. with that. And then it's I ran by the band, and everybody loved it. And you know, it still has staying power. You know, and, and yeah. we've been called everything but the Ides of March. Oftentimes, one time we're doing a cruise, and uh, <laughs> we're we're coming off the ship. Uh, we're, we're we have a beach day. We're coming off the ship, and this lady says to Dame to Jim. No, no, but, actually, it was to her husband, uh, Amori. That's the guy from the March of Dimes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I didn't correct uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've been the ideas of March. We've been the yeah. ids of March. I everything smirch. Right, right, I so. smirch. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Well, we started to wait till March 15th to do this interview. Yeah. But we, 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 <laughs> oh, well, we'll come back. March, we'll come back. You know what I think is cool is that you're Chicago guys. You were then, and you still are, and you haven't changed. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's well, very true. We, you know, we love this town, and you know, of course, when I was a member of Survivor, well, the whole band, even the Ides, we spent a lot of time in L.A. and Nashville, sure. and all around the country. Sure. But we never felt at home like we feel in Chicago. And with Survivor, we I made albums for months in L.A. And I could have moved there. I might have done better, but. I didn't feel like myself, man. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the Cubs and the Sox and the Blackhawks and the Bears and the pan pizzas and the great people. It's I didn't feel like me. Yeah. 
Did you, when you moved on, uh, you were in Survivor, you wrote songs for 38 Special. Um, what was it like being in a different band? Not like, not, not like the Ides of March. I, I was unprepared uh, how different bands can be. Ides of March was a family. We still are a family, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 55 years later. Even when I was with Survivor, we always went every year playing a gig. That's how we can claim to be together for 55 years. But Survivor was a great band, but it wasn't a family. It was more of a profession, Yeah. you know, with sometimes different dressing rooms and different vehicles. Mm-hmm. And when Ides of March traveled, we all traveled in one bus. Sometimes we shared rooms. I mean, we were a family. And that, it comes across in the music. We grew up together, too. Yeah. I mean, you live on the road for, let's see, heavy duty on the road. When vehicle hit through 73, 70 to 73, we were working constantly. We were road dogs. And you spend enough time together. You have your fights. You have your disagreements, both musically, professionally, and personally living together with people. My God, you know, it's, it's, I I said, it's much harder than a marriage because in a marriage, you have to get along with one person. In a band, in our case, we've got eight guys. Well, you know, that's That's difficult. that's, That's the reason why I'm so glad that. We don't have to take this podcast on the road because I can't imagine <laughs> dealing with Howard sharing a saying. room. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! It's like, oh yeah. my god! Yeah, stop right there. It's hard enough to share a studio. <laughs> oh my god! You guys are freaking frag. But yeah, I mean, we learned to live with each other. I was a slob in the rooms, and the guys knew it. And they, come on, pick up your towels, you slob. <laughs> but anyway, I learned a little bit. But now, do I have it correct that they're they're really is a deeper sort of uh, uh, meaning behind the name Survivor? Yeah, it, it works on a few levels. Um, one, my solo album in 76 was Don't Fight the Feeling, and the first line of the liner notes was Jim Peterick is a survivor. And they meant a survivor of the rock wars. I, at 25, I was already a veteran because of the Ides of March. But beyond that, I was supposed to be on the plane that Bill Chase and his whole horn band went down and all fatally crashed. Mm. And that was a tragedy. I was working with Bill at the time. He was the band that, get it on in the morning now, boom, You remember the song? Cool. And we were doing shows together, and I was doing showcases with them. I wasn't a member, but I had written and sang two songs on their latest album. And I was supposed to be on that plane. So that really? was, it's a sobering moment, and and that was part of the name as, as well. Now, to, to, now, to, and then to have the, the enormous success with the song like "Eye of the Tiger." <laughs> I mean, come on now. You would think, okay, how am I? Uh, maybe you weren't thinking this way, but you already had this monster hit in the past with uh, vehicle. Vehicle. Mm-hmm. You know, did that come from a totally different direction? Wow. Well, you know, it all comes from um, the the love of songwriting. It really does. That's the same place in, in my heart for both songs. But the motivations are different. You know, with Vehicle is about a girl that I wanted to win back. With with I Had the Tiger, it was about a phone call that I got on my answer machine. Hey, yo, Jim, give me a call. It's a nice answering machine you got there. It's Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> and I'm going, yeah, right. Give me a break. Yeah. And Karen goes, who's that? I said, oh, some joker, you know. And she said, let me hear it. Hey, yo, Jim, it's a nice. She said, you better call him back. 
So I called him right back, area code, you know, 818. And I said, is this really Sylvester Stallone? This is Jim Peterick. He goes, hey, Jimbo, call me Sly. Hmm. Said, Are you kidding me? Guy from Berwyn. <laughs> right. Okay. Yes. How you doing, Sly? You know? And he goes, um, I like your band Survivor. Tony Scotty, your label president, played me a song by you guys. I want that sound for my new record. And um, it's going to be called Rocky Three. And I don't want to use Going to Fly now. That's a nice song. But I want something for the kids, something with a pulse. Can you help me out? And I go, man, Sly, I've been waiting for this moment all my effing life. <laughs> and he said, I want you to write an anthem that's going to outlive me, outlive you, and inspire people. Can you do it? And I go, no problem. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Easy task. Easy, right? easy peasy, as yeah. you would say. Yeah. He sent us a rough cut of the movie. And um, I called up Frankie Sullivan, a guitar player and survivor, because he was a, a good good guy to you know co collaborate with. And we watched the first three minutes of the movie, and you see Mr. T rising up and get really fierce and, and mean. And Stallone is kind of getting lazy, doing MasterCard commercials, you know. And uh, and the dichotomy, the two, the energy, energy, you know. And the punches are being thrown. And I have my guitar on my neck, and I just started going. Just like that, you know. And I was trying to coordinate the, the riffs with the punches, and I just went. here that screws up all the drummers you know so man we had like 30 seconds of the coolest stuff that you ever want to hear but we didn't know what to do with it so i called up stallone at this time and said hey sly you got to send us the whole movie we can't do it in three the three minute collage you know oh i can't do it man you know uh, the movie i said you gotta send us the whole movie next day fedex arrives we re-rent the Betamax Pro, set it up on the kitchen table just like the day before, and that's when we got the whole story. That's when we heard Mickey, you know, going, Rocky, you're losing the eye of the tiger. Ha-ha. <laughs> got it. There you go. There it was, yes. right there. And that's when the whole storyline came together. And as I was jogging around LaGrange, Illinois, I was writing the lyric, you know, rising up back on the street, did my time, took my chances. Went the distance now, I'm back on my feet, just a man in his will to survive. So many times it happens so fast, you trade your passion for glory. Don't lose your grip on the dreams of the past, you must fight just to keep them alive. It's the eye of the tiger, it's the thrill of the fight, rising up to the challenge of our We sent him the song and he flipped oh. out. He flipped <laughs> out. He sure. said, you guys really did it. And you know what? It went number one for seven weeks on Billboard. And suddenly we're on the red carpet in, in Hollywood mm. watching the premiere and the people going nuts. You know, but yeah. what I didn't expect is that in the year 2020, that song is still around. Still making a yeah. difference oh, in yeah. people's lives, you know. Sure. Look, you and go to you go it, back to my hometown in Philly. Oh man, mm -hmm. come on! Man. Me? That's like another anthem. <laughs> that there. is like yeah. American anthem. <laughs> For but sure. You use the word anthem. That's what it is. It's yeah. an anthem. Yeah. But I mean, you can. It's not an anthem. But I mean, you know, all these years later, vehicle lives on. Right. Well, Did, yeah. When you were, when you were writing and recording that song, 
What were your expectations? I mean, <laughs> very, very, be, low. very low, very yeah. low. I mean, you couldn't have dreamt that all these years later you'd be, you'd we, be performing we had a, it, and people would love it, oh, and no. people, you know, our age yeah. would know every word. And it's an accurate it, it commercial. Just, it's, it's you yes, know. it's still being Movies. used. Yeah, it's an accurate commercial right now. Uh, uh, the movie Dolomites coming out. It's in yes. the trailer. Uh, Eddie Murphy. Eddie, Eddie Murphy. Murphy. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So you know, we're so blessed, but. When you're 19 years old, actually, we did. We had four songs that we recorded in our demo at that CBS, CBS studio, yeah. and uh, um, "Vehicle" was the fourth. Uh, that it was the fourth choice for us. Yeah, it wasn't number one, two, or three. No, is that it because you had your doubts about it? Yeah, yeah. oh, absolutely. We yeah. thought it was a great dance song, but not a single. And when oh, we played, yeah. when we played it Who live, yeah. it got a great reaction. Oh, yeah. We thought, oh, it's just a great live song. It's not going to come across on record. <laughs> Little did we know. And then when we got the contract, I mean, Warner Brothers said, that's the hit. And, and you, we took it to, um, to WLS, Art Roberts, and we played it for him, our manager and us, and he goes, I'll tell you what, if you add the answers to Love You, Need You, I'll play it. Went back into Columbia Studios. Mm -hmm. We're out of tracks. We had a wild track it onto another two track. Yeah. And we went out and go, love you, love you, need you. <laughs> Brought it back to Artie, put it right on the air. Let me ask you about the brass. I mean, you had Chicago come along at that time. Uh, blood, sweat, and tears uh, that, you know, heavily used brass, probably the first ones that did, or maybe you guys were. Um, was that in reaction to some of the songs that they did? I mean, the brass is a big part of that record. Oh, yeah. Some of it was, some of it wasn't. We were actually, Jim, uh, when we were in grade school, Jim's main instrument was saxophone. My main instrument was clarinet. Oh, okay. And go back to 64 when the band started in 66, we were a cover band playing everybody else's music. Well, for God's yeah. sake, we were Jim was playing tequila. We, I mean, we were playing saxophone on tequila in bars. I like that. I mean, so we, we had brass before it became fashionable. Yeah, yeah. But we certainly were in very influenced by BS&T in Chicago, that sort of thing. Here, we were in Chicago. We went to see BS&T. Was that at the Kinetic Playground? Kinetic Playground, 1969. Yeah. And blown away. And that was when they just got David Clayton. And so they were doing yeah. spinning wheel. Yeah. And, and you made sure. me so very happy. They started out with more and more and just the horn. Holy crap. You know. Vehicle was already written by that Vehicle was written. It was. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, what's really funny is Bo Bice sang Vehicle to the top of the charts again in 05. He was the mm -hmm. runner-up to Carrie Underwood on, on American Idol. I don't know if you're aware yes. of that. Yes, yeah. I read yeah. that. Okay, but the funny thing is, then he joined BS&T. Talk about full circle moment. Every show, they encored with Vehicle. And he always introduced it as the yeah. best song that BS&T never did. <laughs> it was the Ides of March. And it got him fired. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And it was one of the reasons they, they fired Bo is because he would not get give up saying that it was an Ides of March song. I love Bo. In fact, he's on yeah. our show. Yeah, we're tonight. doing a, our anniversary show, celebrating our 55th anniversary, is October 26th at the Genesee Theater up in Waukegan. Right. Beautiful theater. Yeah. And we have two special guests, Bo Bice being one of them. So he's going to join us, obviously, on vehicle, and we're going to do some of the BS&T stuff that he's known for. And then also Mark Farner of Grand Funk Railroad, formerly of Grand Funk Railroad, the lead singer, the lead guitar player. Terrific. That great voice. 
Yeah, so we're going to be back in Mark up too. We've worked with Mark a few times, mm -hmm. including one of the cruises we've done. Oh yeah, uh, and then a couple concerts we've done in in Chicago with with Mark. So great guy came on. He's one of the uh, those. They're both guest artists on our our new album, Play On, right. uh, for the, the first, celebrating our fifty five years. Yep, first single, Swagger, which I wrote with Mark. He came to Chicago and we recorded it. Uh, live, live vocals in the studio, which was really fun. It's our new video where we uh, show people swaggering, whether it's John Wayne or uh, Mick Jagger or, um, you know, so many people. Yeah. I have a little swagger. Or, or Popeye. Too. By the way, Popeye, Popeye made the video, too. You're not He's on got the video, swagger. Though. Oh, I, well, you, okay. you didn't make the Sorry. cut. <laughs> <laughs> you have the stagger. No, there you go. No, no you have the stagger. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the follow-up song. We were yeah. talking yeah. before we started recording that stagger might have some <laughs> might have some life well, to it. Well, you swagger yeah. until 3 a.m. and you're too drunk and you stagger. Sure. Yes, yeah. yes, that's a song. Well, yeah. You know, I, I get the impression that um, uh, most of the things that you guys write or, or work on or collaborate on comes from life. I mean, you're not fantasizing about things that don't happen to you. For the most part, I think our music, um, another thing about our music is it, it's pretty much uplifting and, and positive uh, an optimistic message. There's, you know, we're not great at the blues because we're pretty much upbeat guys. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? Oh yeah, very much. And and you're right. A lot of it does come from real life, and those are the ones that seem to resonate uh, most with people. Uh, you know, this one. I remember the first song I wrote with Thirty Eight Special. You mentioned them. Uh, Don Barnes had a title. He goes, "I got this title." I said, "What?" He said, "Hold on loosely." And I said, immediately, I said, but don't let go. Mm. And, uh, and we started writing it. And what I was thinking about was dating the, the girl, little Miss Kulots, that became my wife. But when early on, she dumped me because I was going too fast. I wasn't giving yeah. her the air to breathe in. Uh -huh. So the song kind of wrote itself, you know. <laughs> Steve and I are sitting here freaking out. Well, this you know, because people are going to think... Unbelievable. They're going to think, well, gee, they're so good at inserting the uh, record into <laughs> the conversation. <laughs> yes. And well, no, we are getting a concert right here. But they're really here. here. Um, I want to talk to you about the, the mechanics of writing a song, and I'm sure it changes from song to song, and we will do that. This is back to you. We have two members of the Ides of March, Jim Peterick and Bob Berglund, and we're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, it's time to talk about German sausage. Mmm. Plus a super cool Aston Martin for sale. 
I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Costable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, and OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hey, this is Tony Lasano, and if you like podcasts, well, I'm the guy that you want to meet. Well, maybe, but I have my own called Nude Hippo, the podcast, and I do it with uh, many members of and friends, uh, including Kimmy. Hello. We feature some of the coolest guests like Brian Cheverini, Ginger Z, Mr. Skin, Tom Dreesen, and so many more. These are like milestone interviews. They're timeless. So this way you could pick it up at any point. I suggest you start from the beginning. Nude Hippo, the podcast, and Opie Show. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. <laughs> This is Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. And we are back on Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville visiting with uh, the Ides of March, mm-hmm. Bob Berglund and Jim Peterick. And we're having a blast, Steve. You know what it reminds me of? So, you know, I started off talking about being in my vehicle. And, and yes. you know, I'm sure that you guys have spent a lot of time in the past on the road. So much. Um, did, did you actually have to travel by car or bus to get from one oh, gig oh, to the other? Oh, yeah. Tell them about the Greenbriars. We had two, uh, when, we, when you wouldn't listen, hit. We were getting gigs all over the Midwest, and then um, our first trip down to Florida, and most of us couldn't drive. We were 15 still. <laughs> or at crazy. Our, yeah. Yeah, but we had uh, eventually got 16 years old, and we bought uh, two Greenbrier vans. Corvair. Which were Corvair, Corvair vans yeah. that called the Greenbrier model. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. had the engine in the back, and they forever were breaking down. Oh, yeah. And uh, one time we had a gig up in uh, Beaver Dam. No, Wisconsin. no, no. It no? was um, Appleton. Appleton, Wisconsin. Yep. Okay, call me a liar. You're a liar. So, <laughs> like, these guys are going to fact check yeah. that. Yeah, I'm uh, looking that up right now. <laughs> so, so, we get, one of the things breaks down. We, yeah. we had, so we piled all the equipment into one, one, of, the ban, one of the vans, and we, we kind of said, okay, well, who's going to go play the gig until we get the other van going and get the other guys there, all right? Yeah. And we didn't have brass section back. This is in the mid-'60s. So Jim, myself, and Larry go, and we left the drummer behind because he was the most mechanically inclined guy <laughs> yeah. amongst all of us. So we get to the gig, and they're still not there, and we're, we're looking at our watches, and holy holy cow, what are yeah. we going to do, sure. right? So we, we came on stage as a power trio. Larry played drums, barely, okay? Jim and I, I was on bass, Jim on guitar, so three, and that was the day of, part, you know, that was Jimi Hendrix time, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we were, we thought we were Jimi Hendrix. We're going to be that. We announced our, ourselves. We said, our name is Willie, Willie Pond, Pond, which is a sign we saw on the side of the road as we drove up there. <laughs> so so we, Pond. we were the opening act for the Eyes of March. Yeah. And you know what? Kids went nuts. <laughs> no. he's, he's, I mean, he was doing every acrobatic on, on the stage. Jumping into the crowd. We're going nuts. <laughs> like an animal. Oh, and you know what? You can fool them sometimes. Yes. And we yeah. did. We and, did. And then the rest of the guys. The, the guys showed up and the Ice yeah. of March played. <laughs> and they were let down. No. <laughs> um, I did just fact check it. It was Appleton. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Everything on this show is accurate. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, I mentioned to you, if you would share with us, and, and as I said earlier, it, it changes from song to song. Right. Do you write the lyrics and then start filling in the. The, the music, 
Uh, does it? Do you come up with music sometimes and then fill in the lyrics? I mean, does it change every time? It, it's it's so liquid. It's so it's different every time. I remember going down the road uh, in 1984, 83, and I had I had my notebook uh, on the passenger seat, and I'm just lifting and driving, and and I saw a phrase that searches over, and I just I like the sound of that, you know. And all of a sudden, I started doing this melody in my head, and I had my tape recorder. I, my car was a little recording studio, let's say. <laughs> and uh, so, I had this whole thing recorded. I had the whole melody. All I had was the search is over. You know, I had that much. I got home. I found the chords, and that's when the lyrics came together, and. So that's how that one happened. But other times, you know, I'll start from with a groove and, and go from the groove. But titles are very um, big with me. Okay. A, a title, a great title can tell the whole story. The search is over. What's the search? Well, it turned out in this song it became the search is over. You were with me all the while. A guy that comes full circle mm-hmm. to back to his own girlfriend mm-hmm. after all these years apart. I can't tell you how many weddings... Uh, that song has been used for. Now, are you frequently writing? I mean, how? in what intervals are you <laughs> working here? Constantly. Yeah. Uh, I, I, he, he writes while he drives, yeah. so you really don't want to be the passenger. <laughs> no. Like yeah. I drove downtown today. Yeah. Um, but that said, um, knowing Jim almost my entire life, um, I, he's, he's not just... Uh, an inspired musician, but he also is an extremely hard worker. Mm-hmm. He he works very hard at his mm-hmm. craft, and he's. It, you'll you'll be sitting having a cup of coffee or something and having a conversation, and all of a sudden you'll see him writing something down mm-hmm. with something you said. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the title of the next song. I mean, mm-hmm. you never know. Yeah. You just never know that. Uh, well, it, there he it, is again, picking up on real life. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 that's so the best stuff. It's uh, it's a constant process. Yeah. He'll wake up in the middle of the night. He's yeah. got a notepad yeah. or talking to his phone and sure. record it. But it he cannot. It's in, in to a certain degree. I mean, it, it's it's a terrific, but it's also a burden because right. you can't turn it off. No, very difficult to turn it off and you don't want to yeah, probably very true I mean well do, do, do I, you? sometimes I do yeah mm-hmm. and uh, you know being in a marriage it's all about a balance mm-hmm. and if I'm constantly distracted then I'm, I'm letting her down you know sure so that's a little bit of a discipline yeah, yeah. yeah. when you're when you're either writing or getting ready to record then the little, Bob plays something on the bass uh-huh. mm-hmm. then that becomes, I mean, it's a, it's a collaboration. Collaboration. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, you know, we were playing this. This miracle. Started like that. It ended up being a song on this new album. It's about every day being a miracle. You come to me with that same old song. You say the world has done you wrong Well, that was me some time ago I didn't know what I didn't know The future's up to you Don't lose yourself good stand Someone else will pass you by Just burning for the chance 
And now as I wake up, everything I did in life, they said it can't be done, so don't think twice. Take your shot, make your mark. What you gonna do with this miracle? You know it's time to get it right. Grab it now while you're young. What you gonna do with this miracle? It's all for you. started with a riff. Wow. It it still blows my mind every time you pick up those guitars and you start flying. (laughs) The thing that I'm beginning to realize, too, is is that, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but a band has got to have the the hardworking side to it. You always, as listeners, think, man, they just live the life that is just that ain't working that's right. the way to do it yeah, yeah. I know I was thinking the same song <laughs> yep chicks for free but mm-hmm. the, but you got all of this work that you put into it oh my god it, I have a song called uh, We Play for Free because we don't get paid for playing we get played for all the miles going to the show mm-hmm. and setting up the gear and going through the practice yeah. we get up on stage we play for free that's the, that's mm. the fun part of it so all the work goes ahead of that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And we're serious about the music. Even as kids, um, when we were on the road in the '60s, um, it, we were never party guys. Yeah, that no. sort of thing. We took the music very seriously, yeah. and uh, very fortunately, never got into drugs or anything like that. Yeah. A lot of it's that uh, you know Berwyn ethic that we now, grew up with. Now, what was yeah. happening at home? Were, were, were parents, were, were brothers, or sisters? Were, were, was everybody's attitude? Man, you guys can make a career out of all of this. Or, or were people thinking, man, this is crazy. When are you going to go out and get a real job? Our, our parents, <laughs> the post office is looking for work. Yeah. Our, our, yeah, as Jim said, a little of both. Our parents um, and families were just extremely supportive. Uh, before we could drive to gigs, it was our dads that would take us in the station wagon with our equipment in the back, oh, yeah. drop us off yep. at the bar, and not hang around. They trusted us, and which I think was re- quite remarkable. Um, and then they'd come back at 2 in the morning and pick us up and mm-hmm. take us home. Uh, they provided us, uh, God forbid, we were rehearsing down in the basement. They had to listen to us, you know, uh, as we, we, we built up our, uh, our chops. Um, so they were supportive all the way along. And I remember um, in 1970, I, I overheard my father. He, he was doing his taxes. He was doing my taxes, uh, and he had just finished his. And he said, Martha, Bob made more money than I did last year. <laughs> oh, wow. So they knew it was, That's, you know. I didn't it, hear that yeah. story. Yeah, yeah, true story. Wow. I, I just, um, so they were like blown away at our, and very proud of our success, but they were there from the beginning. And, uh, but they also emphasized education that, you know, I, most of us went to college. You know, I've got a master's and MBA and uh, passed a CPA exam on my first mm. try, you know. So they, I was the kid in the back of the van studying. We all were students yeah. all the way through yeah. Yeah. The, the, that year. I mean, I was, 1970 was uh, my, let's see, that was my junior year of college. So whenever I'm asked for advice, I said, don't pass up the education. Try to do both, and if sure. you can. You know, and it was great. Well, that's, you know, that's, that's yeah. what people have to appreciate about what you do, not just what they see and hear. They got to realize that 
you know, you've you got to be educated. A guy coming up with Shakespeare lines, to name a group, another guy who's writing, to me, poetry. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think your writing could stand up on its own. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I don't know. Bob uh, gives me a lot of credit on stage. Um, there's a song that I wrote with Survivor. It was a big hit. It was called Is This Love? And... Uh, Tell the story of how this came about, the, the new version. We uh, Every once in a while, Jim and I will do a, a show together, just the two of us. We call it the Jim Bob Show, <laughs> and even though we don't play any country western. And we were doing one of those Jim Bob shows in Valparaiso, Indiana. We're down in the dressing room, and Jim's warming up. And he's playing this song that I really hadn't heard him play now, when we're doing two-man show, he's playing an acoustic guitar like he is now, and uh, it's up. T- this this hit is up tempo, and I said, "Hey, you know, I've never heard you sing those lyrics like that." I said, "Why don't you slow it down so everybody can really hear the lyrics?" So why don't you just do a little yeah, bit of yeah. it right now? Just and do I a little said, bit. "Really? You yeah. Try it." Yeah. And, and it brought the house down because yeah. people were listening to the lyrics; mm-hmm. they weren't yeah. distracted mm-hmm. by. Bells and whistles, you know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so it's like the moment was like this. I've heard talk of blind devotion, lovers through thick and thin, liars touched with real emotion, faithful to the bitter end. Now I must admit that the story is attractive. I've lost it so many love affairs I've seen all the pain that the morning can bring Now look me straight in the eye Cause tonight is the night We've got to ask each other if the moment is right Is this love that I'm feeling Is this love Love. You know, so it becomes something beautiful. Else. It's beautiful, you know. it really is. Don't, you know, do that twice the speed, and you've got to hit record. I got that <laughs> <laughs> this love that's been keeping me so that was. But the, that goes speed. back to what you're saying about the lyrics. Yeah, and he is a poet. I mean. He doesn't know it, but he's a poet. <laughs> hey, what was it like to be off stage and watch and listen to the magic of Jimi Hendrix? Oh my God! Well, he wasn't in his prime when we played with him. He was—he died six months later. Did he? Yeah. It was still great. When he got on his knees on, at Red, for Red House, it was like holy. Yeah. Or or, or Purple Haze. We knew, but he was not the guy he was. Just a short two years before that, but still, he's a legend. Uh, what well, kind of a guy was he? We didn't meet him. Didn't you? No, it was one. One. We were just act, act, act. You know, we didn't even share uh-huh. the dressing room. He was out out in the limousine, but we did share a lot more with Dwayne Allman of the Allman uh-huh. Did you? Who's our yeah. hero? You know, and uh, we actually I did a little bit of jamming with him at the warehouse in uh, New Orleans. Did you? Yeah, a little bit of blues. You know. 
And uh, well, there's a story there too, going back to the '60s. That trip to Florida, when you wouldn't oh, yeah. listen, was a regional hit. It made number 42 on Billboard. Yeah. And uh, big in Chicago, made number seven on the Silver Dollar Survey. Mm-hmm. And uh, for, uh, it, it, it was uh, a hit down in Florida. So our agent booked us down there, and we took a train down, rented a van, threw all the equipment in the van. And uh, one one night, as booking agents will do, they're they're working you to death. We played uh, a, an early evening gig, and I think it was at a high school or something. Mm-hmm. And then we drove the vans 100 miles to Daytona, Daytona Beach. Beach. Yeah. And yeah. we walk into this bar. Did you at, stop her at any uh, any uh, service areas and get some of that good food? Uh, the the go. Cracker Barrel wasn't around. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, okay, okay. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we walk into this bar. Now, mind you, we're 15 and 16 years old. Yeah. And there's a band on stage. And it was jaw-dropping. I mean, these guys were, you know, 20, 21, 22 years old. Mm-hmm. Long blonde hair. Yeah. And, you, I mean, here you're, you know, we're kids. Yeah. I mean, we're kids. And that, that think of that age difference between 16 oh, and 20 yeah. and how That's much you grow up. Well, musically, they were so advanced. And we're thinking, holy crap, we got to follow these guys, <laughs> you know? And what was their name? <laughs> the Almond Joys. No. No. That was the Almond no. Brothers before they were the Almond Brothers. So then vehicle hits in 70, scroll forward a few years, and um, we're, we're playing a gig. I don't even remember where it was. And Col- it was a college. A college in somewhere. South, yeah. yeah, and we're... And, and we're were co-billed with the Almond Brothers, yeah. and I, we asked them, "Hey, do you remember that little those little guys that walked?" <laughs> and they remembered us, and we sure remembered them. Yeah, and we crossed paths a bunch of times. They many, were many times. Yeah, we we were uh, played a lot of gigs in the South, and, and they were yeah. uh, you know an album, AOR band. So does it blow your mind when you play gigs now and you see the young people out there that know your music, and there are so many young people listening? Yes. Yes, I mean, just yesterday I, I did a little record store uh, promotion, and I played Vehicle. There's all these teenagers singing along with yeah. me, huh. you know, and that blows my mind. Well, you know, a good song is probably going to last through, yes. no matter what the age. Well, to, I got the perfect story for that, yeah. for for you know, to back you up. Mm-hmm. My son. Um, we live out in St. Charles, and he went to uh, St. Charles High School and was in the marching band and, like me, was forced to play clarinet because uh-huh. <laughs> I had a clarinet. Okay, so he's clarinet and marching band. He comes home his junior year, and he says, uh, "Your Dad, you're not going to believe this. Marching band rehearsal, we have a new director. He passed out the sheet music to vehicle. <laughs> and I was like, holy cow. He said, I told him yeah. you were in the band. He doesn't believe me. Uh-huh. He's a saxophone player, and he, he, he worked his way through college <laughs> yeah. playing vehicle. Yeah. And um, so I said, I gave him the album. I said, take this back to school tomorrow. And there's great. my dad on the back mm-hmm. cover. Yeah. You know? So but pretty cool. Well, you're celebrating your 55th yeah. anniversary of yes. the Ides of March. The new record it is the Ides of March. Play, Play on. on. Play yeah. on. And I wanted to get an, uh, one more plug in. There's something we didn't tell you about uh, October 26th at the Genesee with Bo Bice and Mark Farner. The Ides of March tickets on sale, Genesee.com. It's going to be taped for a uh, cable special. Oh, it is. Cool. So everybody Great. in the audience will be a part of this wonderful event. So um, we're pretty excited about it. It sounds fantastic. Yeah. You know, I, 
I can't thank you enough for giving us a taste of the Jim Bob. Uh, yes. Because we got uh, more than what we were bargaining for. Oh, no, we didn't expect a live concert here with, uh, with a couple of our musical yeah. heroes. Uh, I always like to give Steve uh, uh, kind of a pop quiz. <laughs> yeah. And let I me always, hear. I always hate to take them. <laughs> Just say A let, and B only. Let me no. Let me hear how many, how much of the lyrics of Vehicle you know. Uh, okay. He said okay. I'm a friend. He said okay. Okay. I know what I'm doing. This is a prelude. Hop inside my car. You know, I'll take you. In. The only thing I can do. I got pictures oh, of candy. I'm a lovable man. Take you to the nearest star. I'll take you anywhere. I'm invisible. Now I'm sure you know that I love you. My each needs you. Won't you got to have it, Joe? In heaven, you know I love you. Oh, I've got to do a little bit of that to make up for that. Second verse. Well, if you want to be a movie star, I'll take you to Hollywood. But if you want to stay just like you are, you know, I think you really should. I'm your vehicle, baby. I'll take you anywhere you want to go. I'm your vehicle, woman. By now, I'm sure you know that I love you, need you, want you, get to have your child. Break out in heaven, you know I love Wow, guys. <laughs> Fantastic. It's going to be hard to top this one. Thanks, guys. Really Thank you very much. It. Really we had a blast. Really God, God bless you. Our Thank pleasure. you, Tony. You're awesome. Thank you very much. Howard, Steve. Yeah, thank you. And, of course, Sam. What am? Yeah. Green, green eggs and ham. All right. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back on Back to You. All right, Adam, what uh, country are you from? I am from England. What is the best soccer league in the entire world? The English Premier League. What is your day job? Director of coaching for Illinois Youth Soccer. So if you were, say, a fan of English Premier League and you wanted to hear the, the opinions of someone who is from England, who knows a lot of soccer, what podcast would you tell people they need to listen to? Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. And that's on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Free Kicks, a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. All right. Well, I really enjoyed this show. Special thanks to <laughs> I thought this was over. engineer Samuel Greenberg. Yay, Samuel. Executive producer Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opie is hippo, spelled backwards. Opishows.com. Distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. That should do it. So long, everybody. See ya. Thank you. Goodbye. That I love you, need you, want you, get to have your time. Break out in heaven, you know I love you. Ba-da-ba-ba-da. 
proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? Lasano and Friends. I do this podcast. Really? Yeah, you should listen to it. Yeah. What's it called? Well, Lasano and Friends. Lasano and Friends or Lasano and Friends? No, it's Lasano. It's totally different. Oh, yeah. Go yeah. crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, man. It'd be nice if Tony were actually here today for this uh, promo we're doing. No, I think a promo stands on its own better when the star of the show is not in it whatsoever. Wow. Are we friends with each other or just Tony? I'm friends on Facebook. Yeah, we're hey, friends hey, on hey, Facebook. Quite, quite, quite. Well, yeah. Lasano and Friends. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. So is this really a promo? How long are we going? (laughs) RadioMisfits.com